Paratruth Radio is a proud member of Evergreen Podcasts on KillerPodcast.com. Hey, Pair fans. This episode is brought to you by Audible.com. If you like listening to beautiful voices like ours instead of reading words, then head on over to Audible where you get a free audiobook download and 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com forward slash paratruth where you can choose from over 180,000 titles for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Christian and non-Christian paranormal investigators. They have two different views. And it seems as if neither of them can ever agree on anything. So what happens when a mainstream view of the paranormal crosses paths with the Christian view? Going para fans, welcome to a brand new episode of Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And while you guys listen to the show tonight, check out our website, paratruthradio.com, where you can learn more about us and what we do. Also, feel free to look into our Patreon account at paratruthradio.com and help us to continue bringing the world fresh, entertaining media each and every week. And by contributing, you'll become an executive producer of an upcoming episode of Paratruth Radio and officially become part of the Paratruth family, which will include special monthly behind-the-scenes access to our production. We had announced last week that we did have executive producers, so we wanted to thank you guys for contributing. And, uh, you know, I encourage everybody to at least check out the Patreon account if you guys feel the urge to actually donate to us. We greatly appreciate it. We are trying our best to bring the best content to you guys. And I'm hoping that uh, with your contributions, we will be able to improve even more. So this week is just as good as every other week. I mean, every week is good in my opinion, but uh, we're bringing back uh, Nick Redfern and going to be talking about his book, Immortality of the Gods. Now Paratruth presents Immortality of the Gods with special guest Nick Redfern. Nick Redfern is an author, lecturer, and a journalist who writes about a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster, alien encounters, and government conspiracies. He has appeared on numerous television shows and networks, including, not limited to, Fox News, the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest, and UFO Hunters. He recently joined us to discuss the monster book, Creatures, Beasts, and Fiends of Nature. Today, he's joining us to discuss his book, Immortality of the Gods, Legends, Mysteries, and the Alien Connection to Eternal Life. Nick, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. How are you tonight? I'm good. Thanks, Justin. How's things? Oh, they're just going fantastic. So tonight uh, we got you on to talk to you about Immortality of the Gods. Um, Before we get started, I did want to give you a chance to tell everybody what got you started on the trilogy that led up to Immortality of the Gods. Well, what it was, um, 
New Page that published um, three books from in this series. The first one, Bloodline of the Gods in 2015, um, in, excuse me, Weapons of the Gods last year, and Immortality of the Gods this year. What happened was that they wanted somebody who would, could write this first book in the series, Bloodline of the Gods, which was about the connection between um, the UFO phenomenon, alien abductees, and the whole issue of the RH negative blood factor. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I finished that one, they said, well, you know, would you be interested in doing a couple more or, you know, uh, however many more? And I said, well, you know, I would be. Um, but what I don't want, didn't want to do was sort of just go over endless old ground and, you know, churn out 20 ancient astronaut books right. or whatever that <laughs> were really, really recycling what had come before. So I said to them, you know, I, I don't want to sort of go over old ground. So how about we just keep it as a trilogy? which would be sort of a sort of cool way. You know, people kind of like trilogies, I think. And um, so I came up with two ideas that interested me and which really hadn't been covered that much. So after the bloodline of the gods, weapons of the gods was about this whole issue of, you know, were there civilizations before ours? Was, you know, were there ancient nuclear wars? That kind of thing that mm. ties with the UFO subject. So that was the second one. And then they said, well, what do you do want, want to do for the final one? And I said, well, how about this issue of, you know, if you look back throughout all cultures around the world, you find accounts of the gods being immortal and ingesting these liquids and different foods to maintain youth. And I said, well, how about we sort of look at this and figure out if, you know, there could actually be some sort of science behind this, sort of extraterrestrial science, and also to look at the angle of how one day we might find a way to sort of slow the aging process um, in a, perhaps in the same fashion that maybe extraterrestrials have done. And they like that. So, um, so in other words, this is the third and final one in the, in the trilogy. And that's how it all sort of came together, really. Okay. All right. Now, the book is titled Immortality of the Gods. Uh, I think the, my question, my first question here is just how do you define the term gods in the book? Uh, compared to what typical religion would, con- you know. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a good uh, question because, I mean, if you're dealing with things like ancient astronauts, then obviously, you know, one person's God is another person's ancient astronaut, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look at it from a religious perspective, most people would view the sort of supernatural account from the Bible and other religious books you know, angels coming down, things like that. It would be taken literally. Um, Mm -hmm. Ancient astronaut researchers would sort of present it from the interpretation that it was uh, angels rather than, as they would see, the real angle being extraterrestrial. So what I do in the book is what I try and do with every book. You know, I don't sort of force feed a belief system down people's throats. I think that's the wrong way to go. I think the right way is to show how... Um, you know, how the, the religious angle and the belief system has developed versus how the ancient astronaut angle has developed and try and figure, you know, what the truth is and rationalize the different belief systems uh, and look at both sides of it, you know, tell the story of, um, you know, sort of biblical or the religious accounts and then sort of swing over into the angle of, well, could they actually be misinterpretations of something that's more extraterrestrial than sort of um, supernatural, if you like. Okay. 
All right. Well, one thing that you had actually mentioned in the book that caught my attention was uh, you talk about the grays and that uh, a lot of people are saying now that uh, the grays are actually more of kind of like a, a diving suit or a uh, mechanical uh, vessel, if you will, for for a spiritual extraterrestrial to ride, so to speak. And um one thing that I had come across years ago was that there are some that actually believe that they the Greys are are uh mechanical in nature, but they have no souls and they the whole abduction process is to capture the human spirit. What are your thoughts on that? Well yeah, I mean this gets into sort of really weird and also I guess for a lot of people kind of disturbing area. Um, there's absolutely no doubt that when it comes to abductions, you know, most people, even within ufology, think of abductions, they think of sort of alien scientists taking our DNA, our genes, etc., etc. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of very much sort of cold clinical, but it comes down to it, a highly advanced um, sort of medical program, if you like, with a, some sort of secret agenda, which may revolve around sort of alien-human hybrids. But... The, the theory as it relates to souls suggests that we're not seeing the full picture, that yes, there appears to be a, obviously a medical aspect to this, but if you speak to a lot of abductees and also abduction researchers, you find that most of them, uh, certainly the researchers, have got a number of reports where people claim that their soul was somehow extracted from their body and they felt these grey entities which sort of trying to almost snatch their souls. And um, Whitley Strieber, for example, uh, was told by one of these entities, and quote, um, we recycle souls. That was supposedly their entire agenda, so to speak. Mm. Um, and there are other stories. I mean, um, for example, Bob Lazar, a controversial character, but he came out with this a very similar story years ago, actually back in the 80s, when he claimed to have read uh, these documents out of Area 51 in which these classified files said that the aliens viewed us as containers and he speculated containers of souls and that it was the soul rather than the body that was attracting the greys to us. Now, one of the people I mention in the book, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, he's a man named Nigel Kerner and Nigel is someone who's dug very deeply into this whole issue of um, the human soul. And he believes that they are some sort of, almost like a drone-type entity or creature that's been created and that performs, you know, specific, quite intricate tasks. But they are essentially like a, like a worker drone. You know, if you imagine something like a, an ant's nest, um, you know, where you have the, the, the queen and the, and the workers and so on. Mm. And, but Nigel believes that the, the greys are sort of on an obsessive mission, so to speak, to try and understand what the soul is and to harness it because they realize that, I mean, as the theory goes, that the human soul is immortal and with them not having souls, they're on a the time limit and he believes that at the core, Nigel believes that at the core of the abduction mystery is this race, if you like, almost like a race against time to understand, harness and then make use of the soul or the soul essence to give the greys some sort of everlasting life. So it does get down some, you know, sort of dark and disturbing areas that some people might find kind of disturbing, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Well, no, as far as it goes for abduction theories, um, there have been some cases where people have claimed to have been abdu- abducted numerous times uh, over their lifetime. Uh, and in some cases, they've come back from wherever they were taken with pieces, some kind of device implanted underneath the skin, a, a chip, some sort of something like that. In your research, has there been any type of evidence in, in which one of these uh, chips or whatever this piece of material is embedded has been extracted and studied? Uh, and why do you think these extraterrestrials would choose to take the same person over and over again instead of, you know, jumping around the number yeah. of different people. Yeah. Well, I mean, certainly there's been a lot of research into the whole implant angle, and the late Roger, Dr. Roger Lear uh, extracted a number of sort of foreign objects from the bodies of people um, who, you know, believe that they had implants. The problem is that so many of these things that were recovered were so different from each other. You know, it wasn't like they were some sort of small metallic device that when placed under a you know, sort of a high-degree camera or anything like that, that they showed up something really weird. They were just, more than anything else, sort of little fragments of metal and and things like this, which is difficult to sort of say what they were. But certainly, you know, a lot of abductees do report that, you know, sort of particularly things inserted under the skin or in their nasal cavities, in their ears, things like that. So there's definitely like a, a parallel between a lot of cases. Now... In terms of why they would take the same people over and over again, I mean, certainly that is reported. I mean, it's like a generational thing where you have abductees today whose sort of parents were abducted in the 70s and grandparents in the 60s and, you know, um, go further back into like the 1940s. So that, that is definitely something that's been reported. Now, if, if we're looking at sort of a, a genetic kind of situation with sort of um, the physical side of it, you know, with the DNA and the uh, eggs and, um, you know, reproduction, that kind of thing, then I guess that would make some sense because one of the theories that's been put forward is that the the, the so-called greys are trying to create this sort of almost like an army of hybrids, human-alien hybrids, and this sort of brings things like the... Um, like the black-eyed children into the phenomenon and things like that. Mm-hmm. And there is this sort of belief system that they're, in quite sinister terms, sort of creating hybrids that with each generation look more and more like us, but which could potentially infiltrate us. You know, it almost sounds like a bit of a skewed version of invasion of the body snatchers. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not being replaced, but something is being inserted into our civilization. Now, if there are specific people who are whose DNA has been more amenable to use in these hybrid experiments it might make sense to keep going back to the same family you know um, rather than somebody whose DNA for whatever reason isn't compatible so you know it's like you pick uh, not to insult people it's like you pick the best of the stock (laughs) so to speak Uh, so in other words you know it's an interesting and kind of, again, sort of sinister theory that, um, you know, abductions may be actually nothing that benefits us, but totally benefits the greys in, in varying different ways. Mm-hmm. Now, and one of, of the... Course, o- you know, this sort of... I'm sorry, go ahead. So I was just quickly going to say, and of course, this issue of, 
you know, sort of ongoing attempts to create hybrids. Maybe one of the reasons why they're doing that, again, it's speculation, but maybe one of the reasons they're doing that is because the more human-like these things are over multiple generations, maybe that makes it easier to somehow, you know, uh, sort of insert, so to speak, the soul. You know, when it's definitively alien in form, that might be more difficult. When it's more human-like, perhaps the soul kind of develops, you know. Hmm. Interesting. Well, one of the things that I find fascinating is that, uh, I mean, there are a couple different theories about the grace specifically. Like I said, you had mentioned that, uh, that there may be immortal beings that are inhabiting a, a vessel where some people are saying they're trying to steal souls and maybe they're, they're trying to understand immortality that way. Um, but one of the other things I found fascinating and it's just because I, was hugely fascinated with Greek mythology when I was younger is you talk a lot about the Greek gods and uh, you talk about ambrosia and uh, mm-hmm. the one story that stuck out to me was the, the story of Achilles and how he was kind of made immortal and covered up with the yeah. ambrosia to, to be um, made immortal except for his weak point. So in my question to you is, Throughout history, we see these, these gods that are mortal or immortal. Um, and you know, a lot of people think that extraterrestrials are maybe not immortal, but long lived. What are your thoughts on that? Do you think that, um, some extraterrestrials have found the key to living it, like extended lives or do you think they are living forever? Well, I mean, <laughs> excuse me, that, that's a good question because, I mean, you know, for our sort of measly 80 or 90 years, you yeah. know, um, if somebody or something, an, an intelligent creature, lived for 10,000 years, I mean, for us, that would, for all intents and purposes, you know, be the equivalent of being immortal. You just couldn't sort of, you, you couldn't get your mind round living for 10,000 years, right. you know. Um, so I think, you know, whether or not it's literal immortality as in forever and never ending, unless something happens, you know, you get flattened by a steamroller or something, which you're not going <laughs> to come back from, obviously. You know, it's immortality, providing you don't sort of damage your body, so to speak. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it may be extended lifespans. Now, people may think, well, this is just theoretical. Well, in some respects it is, but in, in other ways it isn't. For example, we know why people age it's actually just it's actually quite easily explainable it's due to something that's called the hay flick limit and basically um, a regular person uh, the cells of their body replicate and divide somewhere between about three to about five dozen times and when that replication goes on you know our cells stay healthy and they degrade quite slow now when the division doesn't occur anymore the degradation speeds up, and that's why we age. Now, if we could, we know that's why it happens. If we could find a way to ensure that that division kept going and continued in a healthy way, then that would be a good, viable way to extend our lifespans to where, you know, perhaps you would look and physically feel um, like you're 25 when you're 65, you know, mm-hmm. we may live to 120 and 120, 50 years from now, it might be the equivalent of how you'd be at 75, you know. Mm. Um, 
So it's science, you know, doesn't sort of rule this stuff out. But I mean, when you mention the the Greek gods, what interests me, and which I talk about in the book, is how with the Greek gods, you know, to stay young, they ingested ambrosia. Mm. In the ancient Indian gods, the tales of the ancient Indian gods, it was called Amrita. Um, we've had people talk about white powder gold, this mysterious substance that can sort of give longevity. And you have things in the Bible like manna, you know, sort of, um, you know, feeding the Israelites for decades. And when you put all these issues together from um, stories and legends of the gods coming down all across the planet and a lot of these cultures having no contact with each other, but they all have the same stories of these advanced beings ingesting these magical substances and outliving to a massive degree, you know, the, the humans, then you have to wonder, is, is this all just coincidence or, you know, were the people of those eras thousands of years ago exposed to near immortal or completely immortal aliens that were so magical, powerful, and never died, that they were perceived as gods, you know. But so if we could sort of understand the nature of what it was they were ingesting, then possibly, you know, that that could have a bearing on things as well. I mean, the ancient story of King Gilgamesh, uh, who went on this obsessive quest to try and find the secrets of immortality, and they finally lost his grasp on them at the very last moment. But... Uh, He's another example of, you know, sort of someone desperately trying to extend his lifespan. Right. Hmm. Well, now, this is something actually Justin and I had discussed a couple of weeks ago with, with a uh, with another guest. But the idea of becoming an immortal, like just a human becoming an immortal, do you think there's a point where if indeed – say you can become immortal or me or whoever, that maybe we'd be driven to madness due to the um, – well, just the idea of, you know, how time seems to speed up the longer we're yeah. alive. And so naturally, I mean, do you think being immortal is even a good idea? Well, you know, that, that's a good point because I do bring this up in the book, you know, about one of the reasons why as people, you know, we hopefully live life to the fullest because we know we are on a time limit. Mm-hmm. You know, we realize that we try not to think about it when people do, you sort of, you know, people crack jokes about, you know, you dying and that kind of thing. Because it's our way, I guess, of handling the fact that we know it's going to happen one mm-hmm. day. So you, mm-hmm. you try not to think about it. But as much as we might want it, one of the things I talk about in the book is how it would change us. I mean, knowing that we've got this precious ability now never to die, would we become fearful of ever doing anything? You know, would you ever, would you live in fear of sort of, you know, going on vacation and jumping off a waterfall because you've just now been given this priceless gift. You know, would we all be fearful of ever leaving the house? Um, And, I mean, just imagine, you know, perhaps... I mean, we we sort of put everything into 80 years. I mean, even if you travelled the world... You know, it wouldn't take you more than a, you know, a thousand years to do just about everything on the planet. Yeah. And maybe, you know, nothing but boredom would just set in because you've been here, done this, and done everything. Mm-hmm. You know, so so I think, and again, also, there's the issue of if the, nobody dies and, you know, the planet starts to fill up with more and more people, you know, would there be limits put on how many children we could have? Could we even have children? Would we live in a world be- where the planet was so packed that nobody 
you know, would be would have children again. It would be a, it would be a planet of adults, which would right. again sort of take away a bit of our humanity or a significant amount of our humanity. You know, having children and getting married and you know becoming a father or a grandfather or whatever. Um, that aspect would potentially be taken away. We, we could end up with sort of emotionless entities. Ironically, not unlike the Greys, you know. <laughs> right. <Yeah. laughs> Which wouldn't be good, I don't think. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> so, yeah, the one thing that I've thought about, like Eric was saying, we had talked about that once before, is, you know, if we did live much longer lives, like um, we've seen in multiple um, religious texts that certain peoples, like in the Bible, people before... Yeah the the fall i guess we're living forever and then we were living extended lives um i think that uh one thing that we would need to find is how to colonize other worlds or um better technology to even live in space what are your thoughts on that well yeah i think you know the I mean, the world's population, regardless of immortality or not, is still growing. Mm-hmm. You know, and resources eventually are going to run out. And, you know, the damage that we do to the planet, the human race, um, you know, it's things are just really not too good right now. So, yeah, I think it would be essential that in some way or another we were able to sort of, you know, leave the Earth and sort of um, – just start out, not start over, but just start somewhere else as well, you know, and right. uh, sort of take some of the heat off the planet, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and if that happened, I mean, that would make things easier. And of course, I think the other issue about um, sort of immortality, as I mentioned with with the greys when I said, you know, it's probably not a good idea that we want to live like that. Right. But on the other hand, I guess we're looking at it from the perspective of us in the early 21st century. Um, 500 years from now, you know, the, the mindset of the people may be very different. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, if you go back, say, 500 years, brought somebody immediately into the future with no sort of slow transition through the centuries, they probably would not be able to cope with it. In the same way, if, you know, me and you suddenly jumped on a time machine and appeared 1,000 years in the future, not having had that gradual process... It, we, we probably, you know, would have breakdowns, you know what I mean? Because the world would be so different and weird. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. in other words, I think that, um, you know, when we're looking at all this from our perspective, it kind of sounds weird and almost scary, this, the future that could be ahead of us. But for the people of that era who've sort of gradually grown into it, it might just be, well, what, were those, what was wrong with those people a thousand years ago when women were forced to give birth to children? Now we grow them in machines, which is much easier. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we'd be like, what? You just grow babies. You don't, you know, the mother doesn't have that sort of emotional tie or whatever. And they would be like, no, you know, because it's painful for the woman. So we just put, you know, we grow them in tanks. But, you know, a lot of people today would be like, oh, my God, you know. So, so I think this issue of immortality is interesting because... It demonstrates how potentially how it could alter people over you know a number of centuries to where we become unrecognizable to us, but right. to them you know not to, to them being paralleled and you know um, to the graves may not be a big issue to them they may be just 
that's how it is for them in their culture, you know, a thousand years mm-hmm. from now. Hmm. <clears throat> well, now I'm going to move on a little bit, but Exodus 16 tells us a story about God providing manna for the Israelites. Now, chapter five in Immortality of the Gods, it's actually titled Manna from the Skies. So I'm just curious as to what your 30, what your 30, what your theory is regarding the manna from the skies. Well, yeah, I mean, this is interesting because, you know, we hear stories of, of manna from heaven and so on. Mm-hmm. But if you look at the, um, you know, the story of the, of the Israelites and Moses and, you know, the Exodus, etc., um, you know, we find that, um, you know, they leave, uh, you know, they're on this track, if you like, this Exodus. And mm-hmm. after a while, as you'd imagine, in sort of hot desert environments, you know, food runs uh, scarce and, you know, people are starving and, and, you know, potentially could die. And then lo and behold, you know, sort of God intervenes and this strange substance rain down, rains down from the sky. And there are sort of strict rules on when it can be eaten and how it should be eaten and so on. And, um, and you know, it keeps people sort of revitalized and alive. Now, you know, it's described as sort of like a, like a wafer-type substance. Um, but, you know, the average human could not sort of exist, as we're told, for 40 years living on wafers, you know. Um, you, would be, you would be suffering from, you know, malnutrition and certain conditions where, you know, you need things like vegetables and, um, you know, vitamins, that kind of thing, fruit. Um, mm-hmm. So, in other words, it seems like whatever it was, it kind of reminds me almost of like a, um, like a United Nations emergency refugee mission, you know, to a, mm-hmm. a far off land where, you know, the helicopters go in and drop, you know, huge amounts of food for the people who are starving in Africa or wherever. It kind of actually parallels something like that to me that, uh, you know, maybe what was perceived as God raining down this manner was actually you know, spacecraft or aerial vehicles operating our atmosphere that seeing that some of the people who are part of their agenda were suffering, you know, provided emergency foodstuffs. You know, I think you can, you can actually look at it from that perspective. Okay. Hmm. So last question that I've got for you is, in the book, you've got a chapter called Gold, the Key to Eternal Life, which I believe is where you talk about the white gold dust. Yeah. Um, how did you go about doing research for this chapter, and what evidence did you come across to support your findings? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, this is something that's cropped up in a lot of cases over the years, and, and certainly throughout history, where gold is perceived as you know a, a very precious metal. You know, there's no reason why it should be considered precious and and so expensive it just is and the reason right. is because it's gold you know we've right. just decided <laughs> it's, a, it's a valuable commodity but um you can find um you know a lot of weird stories throughout certainly the last few years of research that's been done into what's become known as white powder gold and you have people like jim mars um who's dug into this quite extensively mm. and um, various other researchers that are looking at where the way in which perhaps gold could be subjected to almost like an alchemical, like alchemy type situation where it's, it's sort of atomic makeup, so to speak, is changed. Now, a lot of this research 
came um, actually decades ago from a guy named David Hudson, um, who coined basically what's become known as monatomic gold powder. And it was his work that led to sort of belief systems and theories that this white powder gold could affect the aging process, could slow things down, could help cure disease and so on. Now, although we're certainly not in a position at all to say that that's, you know, a, a complete fact, so to speak, there is actually some evidence that's now pointing in this um, direction. For example, a lot of work's being done at Rice University in Texas, and what they're basically doing is seeing great success with people who are affected with certain cancers, and they're injected with small spheres which are wrapped in gold. Now, what are known as nanoparticles leave the bloodstream, and they focus all their attention upon the tumor. An infrared light blasted onto the tumor, something that allows the gold's nanoparticles to change the light into heat and obliterates the tumor. So, in other words, we are actually now seeing the value of gold in affecting human health, or not affecting in a bad way, but in a good way, affecting human health and helping to cure cancer. So, in other words, we are actually seeing, as I see it at least, you know, we're on the fringes of understanding that there is something almost unique about gold. And maybe sort of cultural memory and inherited memory over millennia may have been the reason why we view gold as so precious, but we perhaps have forgotten the real reason why, and we just think, well, gold's cool because it looks good. You know? right. <laughs> that may not be the reason. Right. All right, Nick. Well, it is time to let you go, so I did want to give you a chance to tell everybody where they can find you, find the books, and uh, any upcoming things that you got going on. Okay. Well, the book's called Immortality to the Gods, and like all my books, it's available on Amazon, and you can also buy it off the shelves in Barnes & Noble. Um, I have a blog, which I uh, try and update most days, which is called World of Whatever, so if you just Google Nick Redfern, World of Whatever, you'll find the address. And um, the other things I've got coming up on the uh, weekend of the 21st, I'll be speaking at the annual Aurora, Texas UFO conference. This is one that's been going for a couple of years, and it sort of celebrates the 1897 alleged UFO crash in the little Texas town of Aurora, where... The townspeople supposedly buried the body of the dead alien in the local cemetery. It's kind of like Texas's um, Roswell, if you like, or Roswell's little brother, <laughs> so to speak. So I'll be speaking at that one, and um, that'll be my next event. Oh, wow. All right. Well, thank you for so much coming on with us. Uh, we will be having you on again next month to talk about Secret Societies, the complete guide to yep. histories, rites, and rituals. But until then, have a good night, and we will talk to you soon. Great. Thanks a lot. See you later. Right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right, folks. That was Nick Redfern, author of Immortality of the Gods, Legends, Mysteries, and the Alien Connection to Eternal Life. But don't go away just yet. We are going to be going into our post-show after Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Now, Eric's Random Fact of the Day. Many conspiracy theorists believe that there was a cover-up of the actual events leading up to, and including, the JFK assassination. However, did you know that we may get a closer examination of the truth sooner than expected? 
According to Backslides.com, the CIA is supposed to release the JFK assassination records to the public no later than October 26, 2017. If this is true, then we may be just a few months away from understanding what really happened on that fateful day. Coming up on 5-Minute News, I'm Anthony Davis. You might think it's partisan because maybe it's critical of one side or the other, but it's not, it's just the truth. And I think that's also something that's kind of unusual for Americans listening to the radio or to podcasts because the news landscape in the States has been so partisan for so many decades. So 5-Minute News is verified, truthful, independent, unbiased and essential world news daily. All right, folks, welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. And we just let Nick Redfern go talking about immortality of the gods, legends, mysteries, and the alien connection to eternal life. Now, we've talked about this several times before uh, about ancient aliens, maybe not necessarily on this uh, show specifically, but in past shows that we've had by ourselves and together. Um, one thing that has always come up is ancient gods being extraterrestrials. Even I've heard some people even saying Yahweh, the God of the Christians is extraterrestrial. So I guess what, what are your opinions about some of the stuff he talked about? Cause he talked about like white gold and that being a possibility of how the extraterrestrials extend their lives, that sort of thing. Um, what are your, some of your thoughts? Um, no, I mean, there are interesting theories, you know, for, for sure in regards to the white gold and whatnot. Um, and it kind of, I see where he's coming from because the property, the idea of the properties of white gold and just gold in general, you know, we see gold used a lot throughout ancient history. Mm-hmm. Uh, biblically speaking, gold is the, one of the number one sources that God chooses to, uh, and it actually is the number one source that God chooses to make the Ark of the Covenant out of. Um, we see gold onward throughout time. You know, we, we even, Past them, you know, we see Egyptians using gold mm-hmm. a lot. You know, we see the Sumerians using gold. Everybody uses gold. Gold has been a big thing. And only recently, gold hasn't been as popular as of recent. You know, like when you think of how much gold costs, you know, mm-hmm. the, the pricing is constantly fluctuating lately. Uh, and even today, you know, I, like personally, I used to love gold. And now I'm starting to get away from gold. I had like more silver and I'm even moving into ropes, you know, like leather and rope instead, you know, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. This is yeah, not no, about I, your I, sick I, I fantasies. Heard I, I, know. I heard it when I said it. I'm sorry. Uh, but you know, it's like, it, it's interesting because gold isn't really one of the top sellers these days. You know, it's not bringing in the most money. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely weird and intriguing how things have changed. And maybe, I think maybe based on the ancient rites and the ancient times, perhaps gold did have some kind of special meaning, some kind of purification even. Uh, so, so the theory that maybe if there are aliens and they are using white gold to extend the life, I mean, I think I'd be, I'm more interested to know how they're doing it, you know, right? like how it is it affects them and can extend a life, you know, force uh, of some sort. But, you know, alas, here we are still on shore. So, 
Well, and I mean, look at our biology specifically. Like if we ingest gold, we get sick. I mean, it can literally make us ill because our bodies cannot. Well, I guess I should say mass amounts because you can take in a small amount of gold in your body, but. Sure, sure. I mean, if you, again, think, yeah, you're right. Thinking of our bodies, you know, iron, you know, iron is pretty abundant within our bodies, but even still too much iron can be lethal. Mm-hmm. Too little could, you know, have effects as well. So there are certain metals that the human body needs in order to survive or at least to function uh, at its highest, you know, and strongest. So it, again, it, this just brings up the, you know, it's intriguing and interesting. To think that maybe gold does have some kind of special uh, property to it. <laughs> it's almost, I mean, it's kind of weird to think of, like, in the future, you're going to the doctor and he's like, just take your dose of gold for the month. You'll be fine. Don't worry about it. It's going to extend your life a thousand years. And mm-hmm. I'd be like, but doc, I don't want to live a thousand years. It doesn't matter. That's the society today. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and, and you know what? It, it is interesting because <clears throat> I believe – I think it was his book. I already closed it out. Talk on it. Um, you know, the, we had mentioned numerous times how it seems age has uh, decreased over the years since the beginning of time, you know. Right. Uh, you know, from, from 900 years down to here we are, 70 – I think it's 73. Eight years or something for Americans, uh, 80 something years old for, uh, the UK and 85, I think, for Japanese. Um, and there's been quotas stating that over the next couple of decades, the UK will be bumping their lifespan up to around 90 years mm. on average. And, you know, it started to wonder what is it that <clears throat> allows certain individuals, or in this case, a, a numer- numerous individuals, the entire UK, to suddenly begin to expand their life again. Um, and it, of course, I'm sure it comes down to healthy eating and you right. know, drinking correctly, stuff like that. Gold. But, right. But even it, gold. But even still, I mean, a couple of decades extending a lifespan by 10 years, that's right. pretty significant, you know. Yeah. So, uh, it, but I think it also goes along in the lines of what we've always talked about and what we've noticed through the Bible, for example, is this fluctuation throughout time. Things seem to get bad, then get good, then get bad, then get good. Uh, and in fact, you know, so many people over the years have talked about the end times, you know, and how the end times are right around the corner, 2012, 2016, et cetera, et cetera. We've had numerous people, you know, come out and make these claims. But the Bible has always said what you see in life whether it be wars and famine and uh, uh, earthquakes, et cetera, et cetera, those are the birthing pains of the end times. But those things have to come and will continually come. They've been around for you know centuries. Mm. Um, and in some cases, if you believe in millennia, they've been around for millennia. They're there. So those type of things are never going to really tell us when the end is coming. But naturally, it goes to show this fluctuation in time. So maybe, possibly, we're – you know, he, mankind has started to move up that chain again. Where life will expand, and after so many decades, it'll start to decrease again, and just keep going that route until the end of time. So, well, like Jim Willis said last week, I mean, we we have these spurts where history just always repeats itself. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of interesting that uh, we had two different people. One talking about actually ancient aliens or ancient astronauts. The other one talking about a culture that maybe was pre 
uh, Bible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and all of them having extended lifespans. So it's interesting to see that, uh, I mean, there was at one point we, we had that, we lost it. And I mean, there are people living longer than 70, 80, 90. That's just the average now. But I've seen mm-hmm. people 95, 100 years old that are completely with it and could, uh, go, go up with the best of them as far as mind. And, and what have you. So it's kind of, right. it, it kind of makes you wonder what is extending some people's vibes and what isn't. Like you said, diet comes into play, you know, exercise, that sort of a thing. Yeah. But, um. Well, some of it just comes straight down to genetics as well, you know. Well, some people's genetics right. are just simply stronger than others, you know, and that's just the way, it's just life, you know, it's the way life is, unfortunately. Right. Um, but who knows? I mean, it, there's been so much talk about, uh, becoming immortal and trying to be immortal you know people are constantly striving for that and i think the most effective way to do that is as we mentioned the health aspect you know just keeping healthy regular exercise things like that that's going to extend your life obviously you won't be immortal uh, immortality is impossible in my belief and understanding through scripture immortality is impossible um until the day of your death in which case you are then uh become immortal in the heavens and with God, you know, in the throne room, et cetera, et cetera. So <clears throat> here's what I wanted to bring up. I'm taking just a little bit of a uh, a turn from this conversation here. But one thing that was discussed during the interview with Nick is this idea that the grays being some kind of possibly me- mechanisms or whatever they mm-hmm. are, you know, the grays are possibly abducting people. So to recycle or harvest the human soul, because the soul itself is immortal. Now here we're crossing two different lines because right. we've got alien extraterrestrials and then we got a spirit that is immortal within mm. the body. So obviously, I mean, it's hard to say, but like obviously there, there's almost a contradiction there between the two theories. No, um, like if we're talking about aliens compared to a spiritual God who's immortal. Right. Yeah. I mean, the one time I had actually heard, I actually believe it was Nigel that Nick had talked about that I had heard talk about that the Greys were trying to steal the human spirit, that, that they were actually robotic in nature. Um, it's like, well, yeah, but why? Like, mm-hmm. it doesn't make sense, but that also goes into artificial intelligence and how it would react, but why steal the spirit or the soul? Well, and actually, cause you know, I was thinking about it. It was one of those things that, that was mentioned during our interview that's kind of stuck. And I've been thinking mm-hmm. about it through the entire show. Uh, and honestly, for me, I mean, it's different for everybody, but for me, it actually strengthens my faith a little more. Now I'm not saying that grays even are real or that they exist. I've never met one. I'm not saying they don't exist though. They may, but if they do exist and they're looking to harvest the, the human soul because the soul is immortal or has some kind of power, that actually strengthens my belief and my faith in God in the fact that he's the one who provided the soul uh, and therefore is in and of itself power. So, you know, what I'm seeing is, okay, these greys who are not necessarily immortal by any means are looking for the one thing that is, and that's the higher power that even they know and believe in if they're looking for human souls to – you know, to, I guess, devour. I can't think of a better word to say, but the harvest, you know, um, 
So yeah, I mean, for me, that, that almost strengthens my own personal faith. And I know that's different for everybody and not everyone's going to see it the same way, but. Well, I, I don't think that it necessarily points that they believe in a higher power, but -hmm. they believe in some type of afterlife, a a biological afterlife or Mm -hmm. non-biological afterlife, rather. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that, yeah, it's interesting. And we have talked about the abduction cases and, the one thing that always makes me question what is really going on is in most cases, there's nothing that really stops it. I'd say probably a quarter to almost a half of cases. There are people that have been quoted saying that they prayed to Jesus Christ or they prayed to God and the abductions stopped. We had a guest on that had talked about that fact. So it's really hard to determine what the is going on during the abduction cases because if sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't, is it actually extraterrestrials taking us and then they hear the name of Jesus and they're like, whoa, that guy was way too powerful. We don't even want to mess with that. So we they just <laughs> let him go. But is it or is it something more spiritual or demonic in nature where it's stealing you in a sense but it's really not. It's interesting because the Bible actually says it in James uh, chapter 2, verses 18 to and 19. Uh, James is talking to someone and saying that someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Now, this is talking about a uh, number of different faiths and beliefs out there like, oh, well, I have faith and therefore I'm going to heaven or I have deeds and I'm doing good works if mm-hmm. I'm going to heaven. But in reality... If you have faith in the Lord Jesus, then you'll go to heaven. But because you have that faith, you will naturally do good deeds on top of it. Uh, and this is just a debate as to what really gets you to heaven. Is it simply believing in something or is it actually doing the works to, to, to earn your way up there? Right. Uh, but James 2, 18 and 19 says, but someone will say, you have faith and I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that God is one. Good for you. Even the demons believe that and they shudder. And that's kind of where I'm coming from regarding like maybe these grays are some kind of spirit like or demonic essence or maybe they are spiritual and using these mechanical bodies, you know, uh, even if they don't necessarily necessarily believe that God or that Jesus is a, a savior or anything, the idea that they know the human spirit has some kind of power. They know that power or that spirit has to come from somebody because they obviously don't have a soul if that's the case. If they need souls in order to survive and extend their lives, then they themselves obviously don't have a soul. And therefore, they're looking and saying, okay, well, I believe in what they have and that power. And therefore, let's go harvest that and see if we can't live longer because of it. All right, folks, you're listening to Paratruth Radio. We are going to be right back with the end of the show after Justin's Paranormal Headlines. And now, Paratruth Radio's Paranormal Headlines. How's it going, Paratruthers? Justin here with your Paranormal Headlines, and these headlines are from abcnews.go.com forward slash weird. Urban myth proves true. Grammar vigilante is fixing UK signs. It's an urban myth come true. The presence of a man dedicated to ridding the English city of Bristol of grammatical errors in its shop signs. 
He goes out at night with a self-styled device used to cover up misplaced apostrophes from street signs in the city 120 miles west of London. He used stickers, not paint. The man has not been identified, but he told BBC in a report broadcast Monday that he doesn't consider his alterations of the signs and storefronts to be a crime. He says the real crime is putting apostrophes in the wrong places to begin with. It's not a new obsession. He's been at it for 13 years. And this has been Justin with your Paranormal Headlines. This was a segment of Parachute Radio's Paranormal Headlines. What's up? Welcome back to Paratruth Radio. My name is Eric. And I'm Justin. And we have been discussing uh, just the interview that we had with Nick Redfern regarding the immortality of the gods. Uh, we, we've covered a couple of different things on our own here uh, in discussion. And we, we talked about uh, white gold being this possi- possibly being a source to extend one's life or even provide immortality. Um was it to to visit to the Greys or to who was it to? That, that he, well, he just or just said in general extraterrestrials in general. Okay, uh, providing immortality to extraterrestrials. Uh, we've also discussed, you know, what exactly the Greys are doing with the human spirit. You know, if indeed they are abducting people to recycle or to harvest the human soul. Uh, you know, what is the reason for it? And that actually brings up another question, which we're not going to get into, but maybe you guys, you know, all of our listeners out there want to put your two cents in. You know, if they are harvesting souls, then are they sending people back without souls? Or are they sending them back with a different type of soul if they're recycling? Like, what's going on there? Or just uh, taking so, samples of it? Yeah, you know, is it maybe just a sample or two that they're taking? You know, how do they go about it? We'd love to get your input uh, and to share what you guys have to say. All right. So next week, folks, we are going to be talking about the butterfly effect and doomsday prophecies. Something to uh, think about in the upcoming week for you guys, because it's something that's kind of baffled my mind, the butterfly effect for a while. Of course, you know, the whole... Ashton Kutcher movie thing kind of <laughs> makes you think even more about it. But, uh, th- yeah, that's, that's what's coming up. And I w- encourage you guys to go get Immortality of the Gods, Legends, Mysteries, and the Alien Connection to Eternal Life by Nick Redfern. So until next week, folks, where you will find us, same time, same channel. My name is Justin. And I'm Eric. Peace. If you enjoyed this episode of Paratruth Radio and you would like to listen to it again or are interested in listening to any of our past episodes, then you can find them at Stitcher, Blueberry, TuneIn, iTunes, Spreaker, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and the Fringe Radio Network. Or for a one-time fix of all of your Paratruth needs, simply drop in to paratruthradio.com. And of course, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram for brand new updates on our show every day. 
Finally, we love bringing you fresh, entertaining media each and every week, but we can't do it without you. So please check out our Patreon account. Simply go to paratroopradio.com, click on the Patreon logo, and help us to continue bringing you the latest and greatest in paranormal research. what ransomware is all about is psychological pressure ransomware when your computer's hacked into and your data held ransom attacks are on the rise and russian gangs are making billions of dollars the moment i got that message i knew our greatest fears that we ever have are starting to come true the post-cold war era is over dot com the hacking a new season from crowd network with me katie puckrick just search for dot com that's d-o-t-c-o-m 